Every man chases after a greatness that eludes him. It's not found in power or athletic strength. It's not found in wealth or status. It's not found in fame or success. All of these are the tinsel versions that the world parades before men, seducing them and then enslaving them. But the heroic way of Jesus is something so different and simple that at first we dismiss it as naive. Here is how Jesus tells us to find greatness. Go out and serve everyone. That's it. That's how you find heroic greatness. Go out and find a way to affirm the greatness of others. Offer what you have to lift them up. But I think the idea of serving others strikes many men as one of being fundamentally impotent. Being a servant feels like something for men who can't stand up for themselves, or for men who have not found their voice, or for men who allow themselves to be used. Being a servant feels weak, not strong, but it is a lie. I learned this firsthand when I went on a free promotional trip to the Marine Corps boot camp at Paris Island, South Carolina. There we watched young men weather the blistering criticism of drill sergeants, learn to handle their weapons, and train for hand-to-hand -hand combat. But the most striking moment was watching a graduation ceremony of recruits who had made it through boot camp. They were dressed smartly in their new uniforms and marched in crisp lines. You could almost feel the pride beaming from them. They were now given the honor of being called Marines. They were ready to serve their country in any way they were asked, even if it meant giving up their lives for the sake of others. It was the call to serve something higher than themselves that had awakened the warrior in them. This call to serve, to be the warrior servant, is nowhere more needed than when a man is single. However long a man may be single, whether it's for a season or for a lifelong calling, it is a time to enter the heroic journey Jesus calls him out on. Rather than hooking his heart to certain pleasures and ambitions, he can choose something else. He can choose the way of being a servant, of submitting his masculine drive to what is most ultimate, of submitting his will to the will of the sovereign Christ. Here, his heart is released from chasing his own kingdoms, so that he can live for God's kingdom. He can become free from the bondage of his own reputation so that he can focus on Christ's reputation. Out of the release and freedom of this comes an enormous capacity to serve those around him. The life of heroic singleness is not one easily chosen. It is so easy to be consumed instead with finding a wife or chasing one's ambitions. But the life of seeking to serve will yield a steady greatness in him, and it is a life that will awaken the warrior in him as well. When a man is single, he has a freedom with his time that those who are married simply do not. This is the great opportunity he has, and that's what we want to explore today. How can a man pursue the heroic way of Jesus in singleness? I'm Bill Delvo, and this is Heroic a podcast about the surprising path to true manhood. We'll be joined by Richie Sessions a second time as we talk through making the most of our singleness. As a college pastor, Richie spends his day talking to so many single men, and after they graduate, they still come to talk to him. 
As a married man himself, he can speak from the perspective of one who has lived on both sides of the fence. Some of the topics Richie and I will address are how singleness just isn't a biblical term, the importance of defining intimacy to understand singleness better, and what would we both tell our younger unmarried selves? Besides being both communicators and ministers, Richie and I are alike in another way. We're both songwriters. I, however, stopped pursuing that course a long time ago. Richie, however, has stayed with it, and I hope one day to hear his songs on the airwaves. I think he has some really important things to say, not only in song, but also in our conversation today. Richie, glad to have you back here for this, this episode. Let's start with this question. Actually, let's just start with the word single. What's problematic about the word single in and of itself? The word single is just not a biblical term. We would say that Jesus was not married, but we would never really say he was single. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time imagining him calling himself a single. One, because of his eternal relationship before the creation of the cosmos with the Father and with the Spirit, um, that he enjoyed, that we get little glimpses of that, even in his, you know, John 17 in his prayer, or even in the Mount Transfiguration or his baptism, is just, he would never say he was single. Single sounds solitary. Single is what my wife would call a sock that doesn't have <laughs> Where's the match? A match. And what do you do with that sock? You pitch right? it out. Pitch it out. <laughs> and so I think that's our culture's way of talking about people who are not married that is not helpful um, and I think can even be destructive to people because they feel incomplete. You know, the famous Jerry Maguire thing, you complete me. Well, that's that sounds good, but that's just not the way humans are made and that's not – uh, what life is about. Um, we have an over, uh, overly romanticized view of marriage. Um, as wonderful as marriage is and as u- unique as marriage is, the Bible doesn't put on marriage some sort of um, extra, super wonderful classification. You know, yeah. this is what it, this is the meaning of being human. To be human is to be loved mm. and known. And so sometimes that finds its expression, oftentimes that it finds its expression in marriage. But can't we also be human, known, and loved, even if we're not married? And Jesus would say, you bet. Yes, look at my experience. So I I think we would say people are married or not married, but even like a singles group and a ministry, a singles ministry in a church often feels like the island of misfit toys. Right, yeah, it's negative from the beginning. Right, and I think we reinforce that, our culture says that, but God's not saying that. God is calling us all into intimate fellowship. He's calling us all into relationships of different generations, of different uh, genders, sexes, like uh, to be known and to be loved, to be seen. And that's the journey uh, every man has to take, whether he's whatever state he's in, right. married or unmarried. Yes. And so I, I, I working at Vanderbilt, um, it's a future-oriented demographic. You know, some schools, some colleges are kind of students sort of have a past. Some some colleges, universities, people come and they say, this is going to be the, these are going to be the best four years of my life. They're all about the present. This is it. 
And then some students, they get there, and some schools like Vanderbilt and other competitive universities are all about where I'm going. This is going to get me where I'm going. And so um, they think in terms of arrivals. Mm -hmm. What's the next arrival that I'm going to get that's going to complete me? And oftentimes that's another big arrival, job, marriage. When what God calls us into is a present reality of intimacy, both with himself and with, with the body of Christ. Right, not out there. Not here, single. Now. Yes. Single is a very is a very unhelpful word. Mm-hmm. I get that. So having with that sort of uh, sort of redefinition here, what do you know now as a married man that you wish you had understood more clearly when you were unmarried? Or oh single? wow. Well, we don't have time for this whole podcast, uh, <laughs> so I'll just give you a little surface answer for that. Um, I also just believed that marriage was going to fix something inside of right. me. Didn't know what it was, but I knew it was going to. And then it's going to be the magic key. Yeah, and then when it inevitably didn't, you know, my poor wife. Talk about pressure. <laughs> no, come through for me, honey. <laughs> yeah, fix me. Fix what's broken inside of me. Um, when that didn't happen, I was I was really disoriented. As much as I love my wife and as much as I enjoyed being married to her, I still felt the same restlessness. Mm-hmm. I still felt the same shame. Um, that really was developmental. Your marriage relationship, this is what a, a counselor named John Cox once told us, a group of campus ministers, marriage is not a developmental relationship. It's a, it's a grown-up relationship. And so you're bringing your grown-up selves to each other to love and serve one another. It, but you can't fix developmental problems with marriage. And so our, my hurts, our, our longings are before we can spell our names. And so to expect my wife to, to heal those wounds. And so, but what he did to also tell us is developmental wounds are to be healed developmentally. Right. And my developmental relationships or the body of Christ, my friends, men, primarily older, younger, same age. And I'd obviously, I'd obviously didn't understand that at 25 when I got married, but I lived most of my life thinking that life was a solitary journey of endurance hmm. and performance, and that someday, somehow, I was going to reach Shangri-La. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the older you get, the further, the more I realize that that wasn't happening. I wonder if I could relay a story sure. that kind of pictures this. So what I'm saying is I realized that I needed other intimate relationships. Instead of defining intimacy as, as only sexual, right? Uh, intimacy to God. Jesus had lots of intimate relationships. His relationship with his father was very intimate. Intimate just means being seen and known. Right. And someone going, yes, or as C.S. Lewis said, you too, that experience of friendship. And um, and so I didn't understand that. So intimacy was sexual. That was it. Everything outside of that was exposure, to be exposed, right? To be seen wow. by another guy was to be exposed. But the closer I've gotten to Jesus, no, it's like, darker parts of my character and and my fears and my doubts he he heal he moves toward me and embraces me in places that I can't that really are really deep childhood stuff so I had a friend I was a pastor of a church in Memphis 
and I tell people this story all the time, and my friend's really proud of this story. But it's a good example of, I was already married, but it's a good example of you can be married or unmarried and have this kind of relationship, this kind of friendship. That is essential, um, married or unmarried. And um, he and I were going, we were training for this 25K trail run. We went on these trail runs together. His name's Rob. Um, he loves when I tell this story. He thinks he's just this rock star. And so, <laughs> we'll make it feel like a rock yeah, star yeah, again. If Rob's listening. Um, uh, we would go on these long trail runs, and he would share his story, and I would pastor him. You know, I would really give him advice and and really pour into him. He became, he was, became pretty vulnerable with me and talking about his story, but always sort of had the pastor hat on. Right. And kind of walking around in ministry, but feeling very lonely still, and like, I can't share anything with anyone, right? I, what does that even mean? Um, and then one day he said, hey, can I, can, I, uh, can I see you in your office this afternoon? Can we meet in your office? And sort of out of the blue, and for a dude to do that, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't like where this is going. You know, normally it's sort of like I felt, yeah, he said, I need to talk to you about something. And he said, uh, when he got to my office that afternoon, he said, I don't know how to be friends with you. And he said, I, I, you know all this stuff about me, but I don't, does anyone know you? You've never told me anything really about you. I don't know if you tell anyone about you. And my, I, I was frozen, I was paralyzed because I felt exposed. And I just, here's what I said, my response was, I don't have conversations like this. Hmm. I, that's all I could get out. Wow. And so that was the beginning of a path of intimate relationships with other men. And even when we say that in our culture, that's like, that must sound, that sounds sexual. Well, no, that's like intimate relationship is, he, he saw me and he didn't go away. And so I wanted more and more. And I would say that even more than my marriage has been those kind of relationships with other men have been instrumental for me in my growth and my recovery of wonder in my life. Um, I, you can't experience, I'm convinced you can't experience the friendship of Jesus apart from human friends on this planet. Right. It's an abstraction. They go together. Yes, they go together. And so I would say, what, what would I tell my single self before? Um, it's okay to let people see you. It's okay to let some people see you and let them in. It, the very thing that you're, you're terrified of is the thing that's, that's actually going to bring healing to you. Right. Right. And that is something we need at every stage of life. Yeah. Let's let's go here with your particular work with um, college students and particularly with the men you see there who are are predominantly all single. Um, uh, What are some of the challenges you see in them as well as some of the opportunities you try and call out in them? Yeah, so the big thing is, like I was saying earlier, they they think speed and distance is the answer. Faster it's gonna win the race. and farther. Right. Yeah, it's going to win the race. And I know you, you talk about that in the book, uh, just about performance and how performance will do it. Um, and so that's their default. And so inviting them, it's disorienting, but inviting them to talk about what's going on inside of them and and watch them sort of squirm, mm-hmm. to talk about what's going on in their inner world, and just to model some intimate friendship with them where they will talk about some real struggle they're having, 
some real hurt that, that's happened in the past, and helping them give language to what's going on inside of them to make them realize there's an internal world that you're living from. You're not realizing that. And, that, and then in time, telling them you can't fix this with speed and distance. Mm-hmm. And so instead, and so really to show them, most of the time it's just planting a seed to say to them, um, the direction you're not looking is down. And, and, and down there is, is where God is. God's, you left you, Jesus didn't leave you, right? Right, you're running. You're running, you, you left the real you, and you're leaving the real you, but Jesus is down there, and you're gonna, when you, when you, find your real self, who you really are, um, you'll also find Jesus too. But it's but it's in being still. And just planting a seed for that is mainly what I'm doing. And trying to give them a picture of a broader picture of not seeing destination and arrivals as as being the the trajectory or the reason for living. This is the meaning of life. Yeah. Boom. Get there. And so presence means like, hey guys, um, it's not in the girl you're gonna marry. It's not in your job. The present reality of God's love is right now. So what does that mean? Let's talk about that. Right. Are you accessing that? Yeah. Are you living in that? Yeah. Um, are you experiencing that and allowing the Lord to serve you there? That seem like just such critical questions to ask. Yeah. yeah. Um, move to the, let's go to the idea of um speaking about the whole idea of a, of a warrior servant for a minute. Um, men who are at that young man stage, at that collegiate stage, who are, like I said, are pr- primarily unmarried, how do you help them not only enter that place of being still with the Lord and allowing him them to experience the love of Christ and the love of others, but that trajectory of loving others too, like that trajectory of not climbing the ladder, or but that trajectory of what would it be like to see everybody around me as an opportunity to serve? How does how does singleness afford maybe a unique perspective on that mm-hmm. and to move into that in terms of the time um, they have? Yeah. Um, I normally the the way I talk about that is I talk, start talking about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Yeah, go there. And give them a vision of the kingdom. So Jesus was all about the kingdom. The kingdom is simply this. The kingdom is the world set right. It's, it's the biblical word for shalom. Peace. Peace right. flourishing. All right. And, and at, if, at the subatomic level all around. And so giving them a vision, not to, not to try to uh, discourage their, amb- their ambition or even their gifts as being bad or even their their intellect but saying god wants you to experience his love and his shalom so that then you can be someone who in your relationships and your work that you are a chip dodd once said is you become fat what he means by that is you're spilling over overflowing overflowing you're a big person or as Lewis called the new men, You're, what, what that means is you become an agent of shalom and you stop seeing life in these boxes or fixed points, but you start seeing it as living out of God's shalom, experiencing that in relationship and in silence, and then, and then being someone who 
you know, the way they say it at, at our church is loving people, places, and things to life, mm. which includes your profession, which includes your marriage or not marriage, includes all. It means you become a steward of this, this shalom, this 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 love, and so you start your whole life. I, the way I would say it is, your the world the world becomes reenchanted, and your they become charged with meaning. There's no, there's, you know, Schaefer said, no little people. There's no little thing. So everyone around you is charged. It's a charge. And so you're living out of this abundant place. It's a completely different way of thinking. But that's the way Jesus, I'm convinced, thought about the kingdom. He just saw brokenness and wanted to bring shalom to it. Mm-hmm. I've, come to, I've come to make things right. Yeah, and you're getting on his program, getting in his <laughs> river. Yeah. That's which the way is I the, Which to is the it. only real program in town. Yeah. Or, as I say, um, the only kingdom that's not going to fail. Yeah. Everything He's canceling is, every other show. <laughs> yeah. This, this is the only show that's going to keep on yeah. running, running into eternity. So get on board. And it's, and it's as you're experiencing, you're also receiving the shalom, and then you overflow the shalom. I think that's 2 Corinthians 1, the comfort you receive through suffering is also comfort that you give. So there's that picture. It's not this, like, I'm going to grit my teeth, move to Sri Lanka at although some people are called to do that. I'm going to move to this really hard thing, and I'm going to do this thing, and I don't want to do it, that service. But it's actually an overflow of being served by Christ himself. This has been Heroic. Join us for the next episode as we tackle the topic of marriage and how a man's willingness to take the heroic journey can transform his marriage. If you're enjoying the Heroic podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend who might want to listen in. Rating and word of mouth are the best ways to get the word out. You might also like my book, Heroic, The Surprising Path to True Manhood. Heroic will give you what you need to take the journey to become a man. It will help you find your guide for the journey, own your true identity, and discover your quest. This is how we become truly heroic. Go to HeroicBook.com for more information and to order a copy. That's HeroicBook.com.